This episode of the 3D Insights podcast is brought to you by SEMI, the leading microelectronics industry association with programs that help its members grow their business and address top challenges worldwide. With a global focus on advocacy, the microelectronic supply chain, sustainability, and workforce development, SEMI works with industry leaders to align goals, share best practices, and accelerate progress. Learn more at SEMI.org. Hi there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hi, everyone. You know, as we've talked about before on this podcast, semiconductor manufacturing is on a path to becoming a trillion-dollar industry somewhere around 2030. There are new fabs being constructed all over the world to meet the growing demand for computer chips. And in the U.S., the Chips and Science Act legislation and the promise of a $52 billion investment to fuel onshore manufacturing is driving this growth. But one of the many challenges is building the workforce to support this flourishing industry. In a few weeks, Skywater's CEO, Tom Sonderman, will deliver a CEO keynote talk at Semicon West on how we can create a path to talent. And he's here with us today to talk about it. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here to uh, talk with you about this critically important topic uh, for Skywater, but more importantly, the whole industry as we bring back semiconductor manufacturing uh, to the United States. I'm really looking forward to this conversation myself. Um, before we dive in, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do at Skywater? I've been uh, the leader of Skywater since we were spun out of Cypress Semiconductor uh, back in 2017. I began my career at AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Uh, AMD, of course, used to be an IDM, an integrated device manufacturer. Uh, so we had our own fab, designed our own products, developed our own technology. Then in 2009, I was part of the team that created Global Foundries. So I got to go through uh, the spinoff of an IDM into a Pure Play Foundry. And obviously, that was an important learning experience as, as we created Skywater. And of course, at Skywater, we have a very unique business model. We call it technology as a service, a technology foundry. And uh, we were created before people started paying attention to semiconductors uh, via the CHIPS Act. Uh, but now we're very excited to see the whole nation kind of rallying together to bring back semiconductor manufacturing. And I'm glad to be uh, part of that transition. Well, you just took me on this major trip down memory lane because that kind of coincides with my own path in this industry. And I so remember the split up of AMD and the creation of Global Foundry is. And when you talk about Cypress, I think about DECA technologies, and I know yeah. that Skywater works with DECA. So I love like putting all of these pieces together because it is essentially a very tight-knit industry. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes the industry work is we embrace collaboration, innovative collaboration. And it's an interesting dynamic because... Back in the 90s, when I joined uh, this industry, it was booming here in the U.S. And uh, the equipment industry was really coming on strong, the design automation community. And then, of course, we had lots of fabs in the U.S., again, that developed and manufactured their own products. 
So as we got into the 2000s and we saw this evolution into Asia and the fabulous foundry model, it was somewhat disappointing to me to watch all the semiconductor know-how and talent in manufacturing uh, be repositioned. And now that we're able to bring that back, I think it's going to not only be great for the nation, but it's going to allow a whole new generation of individuals, leaders to really uh, build the semiconductor ecosystem of the future. Uh, and there's now a committed nation to doing this over the you know next 20, 30 years. And so the things we do over the next five years will really impact not only companies like Skywater, but the whole country for many years to come. Yeah, I do think that there's a lot of discussion about how challenging it's going to be to bring some of that manufacturing back after we shift it offshore, right? Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. I'd love to talk about that with you sometime. Sure. But the legislation has put the industry's workforce development in the spotlight, but this isn't a new issue. I mean, I remember Semicon West before COVID already getting on board about um workforce development and the importance of bringing more talent into the industry globally, not just in the United States, to fuel this growing industry. So um, how do you think we got to this point of being in a shortage? Yeah, I think, again, uh, if you think about where our strengths are, design, equipment, development, manufacturing, from a software perspective, we're clearly the leaders in the world, companies like Synopsys. So I think we got in a situation because people stopped investing in building new fabs in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we started moving into this fabless foundry model. Uh, it was also tied and coincided with the movement to kind of the smartphone era. Back in the PC era when AMD, Intel, you know, were really going at it. Everybody owned their own fabs. Then uh, when you had NVIDIA and Qualcomm, the fabless companies started coming at it. And then Apple started designing their own chips that really then amplified and created, frankly, the Asia Foundry system that we all leverage and use today. So core manufacturing talent really had no place to go to grow and develop careers. So maintenance technicians who are the heart and soul of the fab, the ones who actually keep the the tools, these very complicated tools that we use to make these integrated circuits, they were in very short supply. Even back at Global Foundries, uh, when we were building a fab up in upstate New York, uh, we lacked maintenance technicians. We had to go all over the country uh, to find them. And one area where we were very successful is the the veteran community mm-hmm. that really became a catalyst for bringing in that type of well-trained, well-disciplined uh, and not afraid of complicated operational environments into the mix. And that's certainly what we do at Skywater, I think. Uh, there's just a lot of fresh thinking that's needed around the technician level. Of course, engineering, we you know one study has said we need 50,000 engineers uh, over the next five to 10 years. Well, we don't produce that many engineers going into semiconductors anymore. So universities like Purdue with the semiconductor degrees program are now committed to developing that talent. There's other universities. That's kind of the core. And then you got to build you know, the business know-how, all the other pieces around it. But Getting that core manufacturing workforce development is going to be critical over the next several years. Yeah, and I think there's other areas too. I mean, engineers are just part of it, right? And you talked about the technicians. I'm a little surprised because I was actually expecting you to say that part of the workforce shortage is because so many of the graduates are going off for 
sexier type tech jobs in places like Google, you know, on the software side, app development. And we really haven't done a really great job of building up the, the opportunities in the semiconductor industry at that level. But what you're talking about is even what's going to encourage people to go into a career path that taking them the technician route and working in the fabs or the subfabs. I think you're right. The whole STEM angle is certainly, I would call that an evolving issue. We have a lot of STEM education in the U.S. As people graduate going into computer science, data science, that's clearly become a much more highly sought after career path than semiconductor manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the design side, you know, if you're going to be a double E electrical engineer, you're going to go into design or you're going to go into software. And even with electrical engineering, uh, a lot of the enrollment at a lot of universities has been going down because they choose to go to computer science, computer engineering, other uh, disciplines, building servers versus creating semiconductor uh, manufacturing solutions in a fab. So what I see is there's there's kind of a need across the board. One, we need to lift the overall STEM community, but then we need to make it attractive uh, to show you know the the really exciting things we do inside fabs. And so, for example, in our fab in Florida, we actually have a STEM school right next door, and it's part of the unique new models that I think are are being put in place. the The whole operation was built by Osceola County. Uh, to bring in and create high-tech jobs. So everything was from the inception was about uh, workforce development. Of course, they're very close to Disney, where our fab is in Kissimmee, Florida. So what they did was built the STEM school and they built a fab and we run that fab. And the STEM students are part of our internship programs. They do work uh, inside the fab while they're in class, uh, formal intern programs over the summer. Uh, This is all about getting people excited about working in the fab. You asked me about my input. The way I got into this industry was through an intern experience, and I got involved with making uh, the raw silicon wafers that we use in our industry. And that exposed me to the industry and then moved uh, into uh, a career for me that I never left. I was at a very young age. I was still going to college, and you kind of see this world open up. So I think uh, part of the strategy has to be awareness, creating not only a broader STEM pool, but also giving people a chance, again, even on the maintenance side, uh, to do apprenticeships so that maybe they come in out of the military, they want to get a two-year degree. We have them work at Skywater. We have this program today. And they're actually getting their degree so they can even be a more uh, sophisticated maintenance technician, what we call a maintenance specialist. And at the same time, Skywater is working with them to to get that two-year degree. So I think a lot of it is out-of-the-box thinking growing the engineering talent, capturing uh, the maintenance technician talent, and doing it in a way where it's not necessarily we're going to need less designers, less people going into software, because that demand will continue to grow. But it's making uh, the manufacturing career path as attractive as it was when when many of us entered it back in the 90s, when we were building a lot of fabs here in the US. Yeah, and I think you make a good point. You started talking about the two-year programs and apprenticeships. And I think there might be a misconception that you need a four or eight year degree to be in this industry. But, you know, I've talked to people who have said, you know, PhDs are great, but PhDs don't want to work in the fab. They want to develop the processes, but we need people who, you know, can work machines, run the fab. That doesn't take a four year degree. There's clearly a spectrum and 
Um, whether it's someone who comes out of high school, works at Skywater, maybe starting out as a technician, working on their four-year degree, then becomes an engineer, uh, goes forward, are someone who actually we hire because they have a very unique specialty uh, as a PhD. We do have a lot of PhDs that work in a fab at Skywater. We're, we do a lot of technology development here. Right. But that said, uh, you need all of it. I would even say BS degrees for an engineer, that's expected. Now it's really moving up to you need a master's degree because there's degrees of specialization or having a electrical engineering degree and a chemical engineering degree are you know, what's, again, Purdue's doing with their semiconductor degrees program, which allows you to get your double E or chem E degree or materials engineering degree, but then also get certificates for semiconductor uh, know-how that complement your degree. And uh, eventually that will become a master's program and then a PhD program. But one of the things you're exactly right on is you need all types of people in fabs. You need, uh, you know, manufacturing engineers that work on shift that help solve uh, the day-to-day problems, and you need uh, PhDs, master's-type engineers that are working on the technologies of the future, and you need people that understand how to translate design um, into manufacturing processes, what we call integration engineers, yield engineers. These are all disciplines. Um, in, in many ways, the fabulous engineering community, in many ways, and how fabulous companies engage with the foundry community uh, was farmer people that used to work in fabs. That's where the, you know, career trajectory went. And I think you can see a lot of that come back the other way, where people that worked at fabless companies can now come back into, uh, the manufacturing side and bring that design know-how, a lot of that customer know-how, uh, because the key again isn't just building fabs that support one customer. If you look at us, you look at global foundries, you look at Intel foundry services. It's all about creating a manufacturing ecosystem. So all of us as an industry have to inspire uh, students to want to go get degrees and in, in, in the, the disciplines that feed our semiconductor industry. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. You know, you touched on some of your programs, and I don't want to give away your keynote talk, but can you describe um, some of the programs that you've launched at Skywater in a little more detail? Yeah, great question. And again, I think, you know, I'll give two kind of data points. When Skywater was created in 2017, uh, we were literally the only uh, newly formed U.S owned and operated semiconductor foundry. And so uh, we were trying to excite people to come, you know, kind of back into the space. And recruiting was, you know, a challenge, but we also didn't have a very complicated uh, recruiting market because not a lot of people were building fabs in the U.S. at the time. And then when you get post-COVID and post-chips bill, now you hear about fabs going up all over the country and so creative thinking has been part of the strategy at Skywater. How can we uh, differentiate? We're a small, uh, you know, six-year-old company. 
lots of you know exciting technologies that we're developing. Certainly one area that I think I'll be speaking about that we're very proud of and one that we talked about earlier is the military and getting veterans to be part of the foundation of how we build the technician community and even the engineering community uh, over the next several years. So programs like VetWorks, where individuals provide their experiences to other veterans in terms of how they transition from a career in the military to a career in companies like Skywater. And we are committed to providing the training, again, the apprenticeship program that I mentioned, where we take people who have a core skill set, but we're willing to work with them as they get their degrees to become more capable in terms of their ability to specialize and deliver the capabilities we're looking for. And then another one that we're very excited about is the scholarship program that we put in place with one of our principal owners at Skywater uh, Oxbow Industries to essentially draw in students and do what we just talked about earlier, get them exposed to semiconductor manufacturing by letting them find out who Skywater is by offering them scholarships. So we had over a thousand applicants for our scholarship program. Uh, 10 students were chosen. Those students immediately become aware of Skywater, typically uh, aligning what they're getting their degree into the types of students we need. And so you're kind of building an awareness, a brand awareness, and you're developing and helping students uh, get engineering degrees. And we, we couldn't be more proud of that program. And then finally, uh, you know, we we have a what we call an industry immersion program uh, that we did with Navy Crane. Uh, Navy Crane is a sponsor for one of our uh, programs that, that we work with the DOD on. And they had a PhD student who works you know, for the Navy actually come to Skywater as an intern, spend time in our fab, actually immerse uh, herself in what it is we do as a manufacturing uh, company. Again, manufacturing capabilities uh, for the U.S. government, but also for the commercial sector. And, you know, one of the data points that came back is uh, this individual learned enough in a 18 month internship to kind of complement what it took, you know, maybe four plus years to get uh, through a normal Navy experience because they just don't get exposed to what life is like inside a semiconductor uh, facility. So the ability to have that immersive learning, the ability to have uh, early engagement through STEM programs and the ability to tap into whether it's a high school student or a veteran that is retiring from the military and looking for the next phase of their career, getting early access to that whole community, I think is is what's going to be different. And certainly is what Skywater is doing today. And um, you know, part of my talk will be to encourage others because we have to do this as an industry as we bring the demand curve down for, for the workforce development because we don't want to spend a bunch of money on building fabs if we don't have people to work in them. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. So as part of the scholarship program, just a quick question. Um, are you working with specific universities or are these scholarships open to high school graduates? Is there certain requirements? Uh, it goes through Scholarship America. Uh, scholarship America takes all the applicants. Uh, what we do is, you know, obviously provide uh, the funding mechanism and we put a general set of criteria together, whether they're a Skywater employee or anybody. We have a uh, the first round of winners literally from all over the country. The exciting part for me is they got the scholarship, but they also all begin to reach out to me and others at Skywater 
not only thanking them for the scholarship, but wanting to get more aware of what we do at scholarship. Uh, we've had uh, questions already about doing internships. So it's doing what I described earlier. It's creating an awareness. When you apply for the scholarship, you're going to want to know who Skywater is. And if you get the, uh, the scholarship, you're going to want to be able to take advantage of Skywater in, in addition to the funding that may come because uh, of the unique things we're doing. And I think awareness is key. We need to do a better job as an industry to market what it is we do. We make the things that go into all the devices we all use every day. We like to say we make things every day that make all of our lives better. When people can connect the dots on that, it's not just you know making a silicon wafer in a fab. It's about creating a new technology that can do traumatic brain injury detection. And you're part of the team that brings that product to reality and transforms, you know, kids' lives, military personnel lives. These are things you can get excited about. And I think that's the way we need to approach this. I have one last question. Skywater, where does the name come from? Ah, Skywater. So uh, the name Skywater uh, comes from a Native American term that means Minnesota. Our Bloomington Fab is right next to the Minnesota River. Think of it as Minnesota uh, Technology. The the thing that makes the name Skywater unique is it implies kind of a fresh way of thinking. You know, while the name came from a heritage, uh, we also embraced it because it had a lot to do with what we believe we were doing as a company. Uh, the idea of reflecting the sky into the water and uh, reflecting our customers' needs and our customer requirements, because we're a service company, we don't make our own products, and being able to translate that into something uh, was also part of the backdrop. So you're... Headquarters are in Minnesota, Bloomington, Minnesota. You have a location in Florida, and that I think is your packaging. Yep, facility. That's right. Any other locations? No, no current locations. We did announce a uh, potential chips enabled fab with Purdue in West Lafayette, Indiana last summer. And so we're, of course, pursuing that. This would be a uh, new greenfield fab on the campus of Purdue. Again, another example of fresh thinking that Skywater is bringing. Uh, not building a fab in the middle of nowhere, but literally building it on a university campus so that those students we've been talking about uh, can have a place to do internships, can have a place to get exposed to semiconductor manufacturing, and also leverage the great ecosystem that Purdue already has with the Burke Nanotechnology Center, uh, the commitment of Purdue to develop semiconductor degrees. So uh, this is, I guess, a final important message is Everybody needs to get into the new paradigm uh, in terms of how we're going to kind of recapture uh, the lead in semiconductor manufacturing and uh, out-of-the-box thinking, doing things differently, uh, breaking protocols or norms like putting a fab on a campus. Uh, Many people wouldn't think of that. These are what I think is going to really take us to the next level. Uh, Osceola County deciding to build a fab through a bond offering to bring high-tech jobs. That's the community getting involved. You're going to see a lot of that. And we certainly, for all of our CHIPS-related initiatives, are working with state, local, and federal governments, public-private partnerships to bring uh, a lot of what has been envisioned to reality. Great. Well, I look forward to your talk because I will be sitting there in the audience. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. And really enjoy the conversation. Look forward to seeing you in San Francisco. Hi, podcast listeners. Our June 29th episode will feature conversations on the hot topic of chip-to-wafer hybrid bonding. Mark your calendars to tune in and be sure to follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
From July 11th to the 13th, we'll be recording live at the Moscone Center as the official podcast of Semicon West. So please stop by the Media Hub to say hello and pick up an Are You Listening sticker. We're also offering sponsorship opportunities to help you get your company's message out to the microelectronics industry. For details, drop me a line. My email link is in the show notes. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.